You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's happening, everyone? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 22, Where Do I Start? As crazy as it sounds, uh, there are still people getting into youth ministry as a vocation and career in the year 2020. With a pandemic going on, with a lot of social uh, unrest, um, the madness of election season, and just the uh, element of not being really aware of what could come in the near future. But students still need guidance, so I applaud you if you find yourself in that boat. And today, uh, I talk with a guest, Justin Herman, uh, who uh, has definitely had experience of starting in ministry uh, in different seasons, and we talk about uh, what someone who is starting in youth ministry right now should be aware of, needs to know and some good things to set up as benchmarks for how to be successful in that ministry. So, let's go ahead and hop into the conversation with Justin. Justin, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. Uh, if you well, could. Yeah. Happy to be here. I'm happy to be here, man. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for inviting me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, if you could, could you give us a little intro of who you are and what you're up to these days? Uh, well, I'm, I'm Justin Herman. I spent a decade of my life doing junior high ministry, which I loved. Um, I am the executive director of a nonprofit based in Southern California right now called R12, which is all about partnering moms and dad or moms and uh, daughters and fathers and sons um, going and serving in the local community um, and, uh, and developing as leaders to make a local and global impact for the church, which I, I believe in deeply. And it's a high school focused organization. So definitely different than junior high, um, and different than the church too. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but, uh, uh, but I love it. I've been doing it like four or five months now. So like, it's still really new yeah, and, yeah. Um, and a lot of learning curves. And then I do a podcast called the control cast podcast, which is a junior high ministry podcast. I do uh, another one called the Justin Herman show, uh, you know, uh, very creatively named, um, where I just talk to people who have nothing to do with ministry. Most of the time, nothing to do with church. Um, you know, I've gotten to talk to really smart leaders and business thinkers and just, you know, just political people and just interesting people in general. And, uh, but most importantly, I'm a dad. I have two kids. Uh, my wife's pregnant with twins right now. So I have two Whoa. new ones on the way. I know. Um, which is one of the reasons I love your podcast more than other podcasts. Our son is going to be named Maverick, and yeah. um, and then our daughter will be named Everly, and they're just both wonderful middle names. Throwback to um, my mom who passed away of cancer a couple of years ago, mm. and then uh, Maverick's middle name is yet to be decided, but it'll be it'll be a throw to to one of the grandparents. And um, and you know I live in Southern California, and I I work out all the time. I used to be super fat, and now I'm not, and I, maybe not super fat, but it's super fat to me. And I've just been working out every day, crushing it. So my hobby is the gym and being a dad and hanging out with them and, you know, getting tattoos and talking about ministry. And that's me. Cool. Awesome. 
Uh, well, as I mentioned in the intro, we'll be talking about what it looks like for someone to enter youth ministry as a vocation uh, in 2020. Now, obviously, the pandemic changes a lot, but the already present elements of culture and generational trends are enough to warrant discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. It certainly requires a different awareness from when you and I were students, Justin, and it's decently different since we both started doing youth ministry leadership several years ago. Uh, oh, multi, yeah. Multi-generational investment and equipping those who are coming up into ministry is a crucial part of helping them learn from our experiences and failures. Uh, so Justin, let's start back when you were in that position yourself. What did your journey or process of entering youth ministry leadership look like and who provided guidance for you as you got started? Well, you know, when, when I got started in youth ministry, I was, uh, you know, I was in Bible college. So I was getting ready to, to jump into to ministry and I took a job in Huntington beach and my very first boss. So I was the youngest one on the team, even though I wasn't that young, I was 25 at the time. Okay. Tw- uh, almost 20, almost 26 going on 26. So I wasn't even that young. I started college late. I did a lot of traveling and screwing around before, um, before, you know, co- I started Bible college. I started Bible college, I think at 20, um, 21, 22. So I was okay. old. And, um, my first boss, Ron Mayotte, he was the, the college pastor and he was the team leader. He was a huge mentor for me. Um, he taught me things that I still quote today, you know, money follows ministry. He taught me that because as a rookie, I was like, oh, I, you know, I need a bigger budget. And he was like, money follows ministry. I was like, what does that mean? Like they didn't teach me that in Bible college. And he explained, you know, he taught me what that meant. Um, that, that, you know, the, you can ask for money or you can do great ministry and show people, you know, the, what is happening. And, and usually people will want to invest in what is already going well. Um, the money follows ministry. And there's a gal there named Laura who was the high school pastor. I mean, I was the junior high pastor and she was like a mentor to me. So, I mean, she taught me a ton. She was doing youth ministry for years and years. And then I got the opportunity, obviously, to, to hang out with really cool people, Kurt Johnston and, and Doug Fields and Matt McGill. And, um, and, you know, those people became, you know, mentors, really, you know, really Kurt and, and you know, Doug and, and Matt. I mean, those three for sure invested huge in me in different parts. You know, Matt was the one that hired me to Mariners. So out of, I was at that church. I left that church to come to Mariners, which was a gigantic church then. It still is now. And, you know, he recruited me, brought me out there and out there, you know, it's 10 miles away. <laughs> and, you know, somewhere in there, uh, I got connected with Doug and he just invested a ton in me. Uh, Matt left Mariners at some point. He's back at Mariners now, believe it or not. And Doug's there too. He's the youth pastor at Mariners. Yeah, now, I saw so, that. So, yeah. So hilarious. Um, seeing them on a regular basis at church. Like I just saw him, uh, we were just hanging out this past weekend because he was teaching. It's the weird, it's, it's the, it's weird, but there, I know them. So it's more familiar, but it's still weird. Like going to church, not being on staff at a church, and you know Doug Fields is is your the pastor is teaching, or, or you see Matt doing stuff with students, which is great. Yeah, but you know, and and you, Doug was there during a really hard time of my leadership life, where I was just burning through staff, and he was there in the midst of that, and really helped me through that. He was the guy that told me to my face. No one's ever told me this. People, there 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 are so many weak people out there, weak leaders who do not know how to lead or develop people because they don't know how to give the hard truth. Now, giving the hard truth in love is different than giving the hard truth as a tool. And I, and I was still figuring that out at the time. He knew how to say the hard truth in love. And you know, I remember sitting there with him 
because I was getting ready to leave Mariners. I was like, you know, screw this place. I'm out of here. And I was going to go to Saddleback actually. And he sat with me and told me that, you know, he was coming on board to kind of be a mentor and a, a coach at Mariners for the youth ministry. And he said, um, uh, Justin, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, if you were, if this was Survivor, you'd be the first person voted out. And I was a big Survivor fan. And that totally stuck with me. And it was very practical, which all good leaders are wise and practical. Because I know exactly the type of person who gets voted out first. Like they're the person that is not a team player. The person that, you know, is, you know, looking for the idol. If you're not a Survivor person, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, but yeah. Like, the per- like it's a type of person that is the first person voted out usually. That it's the one that everyone in the tribe is like, okay, this is an easy decision it's usually unanimous um because it's just eat the first vote's easy like who's the weak link who's the one who's annoying everyone um you know, who's not the team player and and so i decided to stay at mariners he uh, which is a whole nother story and he invested a lot of time in me and then you know kurt you know it was the same thing he invested a ton of time in me um still does we did the can the troll cast podcast together for like a year um every episode together um you know we, we did the I was part of the re-release um, for Controlled Chaos with the Youth Cartel. So, I mean, it, it's like I've had people throughout my whole career that, and I learned from a very early age that you have to have people that you can go to. It was like, it's one of the things that my wife, if she was here, would say attracted her to me the most. She was married before, and the guy she was married to was, he was just the worst. He was cheating on her, and he was a scumbag. And a lot of it was hidden the one of the things she liked about and he he did life alone he did not ask for help he did not ask for he did not have mentors in his life or anything one of the things that she liked about me was that i was a guy that surrounded himself on purpose with other guys and so it's not just like a um a, a leadership thing if you're smart it works in every way shape and form yeah yeah uh those are some big names that you mentioned as far as having having mentors and if anyone has been in youth ministry for any period of time, they will recognize those those names and you know that's a really great opportunity that God placed you in to have those guys be able to uh speak into your life and deliver hard truth but do it in in love and yeah you know uh you know I always tell people that you know if logistics and money wasn't a problem, I would probably have had a line of groomsmen back to the wall at my wedding because there yep. are so many guys in different seasons of my life, starting back in junior high and moving forward where I can say, man, at this point in my life, I had this guy and this guy who are helping me yep. learn this and do this and telling me that I was doing this wrong and saying, this is what you need to do. Keep doing that. And um, it's really good to surround yourself um, with that. In ministry, there are all sorts of pressures uh, that people face. You know, uh, you mentioned burning through staff and mm-hmm. trying to invest and teach and, and, and teach students while also trying to form leaders. Um, but I feel like a big pressure um, in youth ministry that I've noticed from group posts and conversations lately with others is the pressure that we feel from comparison. Uh, that's something that we've been telling students to avoid forever when it comes to self-image fitting in and certainly more so in the era of social media. Uh, However, with all the tech advancement and creative strategizing over the past decade, there are some uh, youth pastors who feel like they aren't hip or as relevant as other youth ministries they see and they fear not drawing students or providing the required atmosphere, if you will, for them. Uh, So Justin, how big a role do you think 
atmosphere factor should play for those who are trying to disciple students well? Atmosphere is huge. You should put intentionality into every inch of your youth ministry. So, you know, when I was doing full-time youth ministry, but even now in the role that I'm in now, you know, every inch of the experience from the moment they show up to the moment they leave, you should think through that. What music are you playing? What do the lights look like in the room? If we have a snack bar, where is it? Um, where do we have leaders stationed? Do we have a strategy for leaders or is it just, Hey, you're a leader, wear a name tag and don't like, don't touch, you know, don't go off alone and touch kids. The, you know, is it, Hey, we're going to, or is there a plan? Is it, Hey, we're going to have, we want leaders at the front door and leaders inside and we leaders here. And we have, have people strategically placed, you know, Heather fleece calls that the, the invisible structure. So like, is there an invisible structure that students never see, but that you know, in detail, because you've thought through it. You know, atmosphere is everything. Now, you talk about comparison, for, for, for instance. Here's the thing that is true. Not a single parent and not a single student is following a single other church's youth ministry, um, unless it's like a church that they're also going to in your town. Like nobody, no parents or students know who Mariner's Church is in Irvine, California. Uh, at least enough that the student would be like, you know what, I really want to, I really want to follow their youth ministry page and see what they're doing with their kids. Like, that's just not happening. Like, they're following YouTube celebrities and like they're following their favorite athlete or whatever. Like, they're not following churches or youth ministries. So we, that is a, a crazy stress that youth pastors tend to put on themselves because if you're going to be compared to anything, you're going to. Be compared and compare yourself to what students are actually consuming, which is, um, you know, Cardi B videos or, um, you know, whatever's on the the YouTube that they're watching or the latest Dude Perfect video. If you're in junior high ministry, Dude Perfect still rad. Yeah. Um, compare yourself to those things. Once you compare yourself to those things, you will then be able to accept that you will never compete with that. Yeah. You will never have the amount of Mariners. I mean, listen, I, I was on staff at Mariners. I know what our budget was. We had, I had a hundred thousand dollar budget a year that didn't include staff. That was just our operating budget with a hundred grand. If I took every penny of that and invested it into one event, that would still be probably less than one tenth of what it costs to put on a huge concert or what it costs to put, do a dude perfect video. You think a dude perfect video, those five guys are, are geniuses. Well, that space they're using, by the way, is like a, over a million dollar space. It, yeah. it was custom made for them. The cameras they're using, I don't have those. The editing that they're using, I don't have that stuff. So I can't even compete with um, with them. Then you know, what, what am I wasting my time doing? I mean, because students are not consuming or looking at other churches saying, oh my gosh, you know, I wish you could be more like Saddleback. They don't know who's having, they don't care who Saddleback is. If you live anywhere other than Southern California, you're not thinking of what's happening at JHM or HSM at Saddleback Church. Youth pastors are because they're crazy. And I lived that craziness. I lived that craziness. I would scroll through churches and be like, oh, what are they doing? Like, why can't we do that? Like, we need to make that. And it's like, no, no, no. We, there are, th- number one, students who really connect with that at that church those youth pastors are smart enough to know what really connects in that culture with that group with those students. So you need to do that same thing. Okay, what connects with our students? What connect? What what should we have in our room, in our space? What activities should we do? Like what what makes youth group in our town epic 
because we know our students best. That's question one. Question two then is, okay, um, who, if we're going to look around at what other students are looking at, we're looking at bands and YouTube, you know, uh, uh, celebrity people, whoever they are, um, musicians, athletes. Then once you do that, you can take a deep breath and say, okay, perfect. I'm never going to be able to compete with that. I will never have the money. I'll never have the resources. I will never compete with that. But they will never be able to compete with me when it comes to relationship, which mm. in the end is the core of youth ministry. Yeah. 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 Cardi B is super cool or whatever. You know, that athlete is great. He can slam dunk a ball or the dude. Perfect guys. They're rad, but I'm going to send my students postcards. And I'm going to ask them how their week was. I'm going to train my leaders to the most important question. You know, how was your week? And the most important statement when they leave is I can't wait to see you next week. You know, we're going to touch base with them during the week. We're going to show up at their house and leave a lawn sign in their lawn. LeBron James is not going to do that. He's busy. Like he's a millionaire and he's busy and he's, he's got other stuff to do. So you, he's not going to do that for your kid. So mm-hmm. he, once you accept, and I, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely serious about this. Once you accept that you can never compete with the, the type of money or the things or the locations um, of the, the, uh, of the people and, and groups that your students are actually following. So not following churches. They don't care about that. Once you can accept that and then be able to say, okay, but they will never be able to compete with me because I'm going to know my kids. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to touch base. I'm going to go to their house and have dinner at their house and sit in their living room. And LeBron James isn't going to do that. I'm going to do that because while I can never compete with them, they will never be able to compete with me when it comes to relationship, which is the most significant part of youth ministry. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that view of, well, I'm going to stay in my lane and an atmosphere. It adds to what you're doing, but it should be the cherry on top if you have healthy, good relationships, because years later, that's what sticks with me as far as what I remember, right? I don't really remember hardly any of the lessons or things like that. But man, if I remember relationships and fun stuff we were having, I remember where we were and what the atmosphere was like. And so, yeah, it, it kind of adds to it. And yes, it does, oh, it, it does so, play some so role right. yeah, in, in attracting students, you know, if you have an LED wall or games or whatever. Yeah. But the main thing yeah. is, you know, having a relationship, you know, and I've said this on other episodes, some of the best youth workers and volunteers I've ever met are like in their 70s. They don't have one ounce of hip or, or cool in them, but their guys or their girls love them because they are consistent and they care about them and they're authentic and they're there. And man, if you have that, that is a driving force that will attract students and keep them there and impact them more long term than, well, we have a, a great fad yeah. that lasts for two weeks over here so we can try and be relevant. You know, yeah, I feel like you I feel like you have an inside track of, of some of my personal stories because I mean, I and every youth pastor should do this. Every youth worker should do this. Think back to when you were in junior high or high school. What are the things you remember? I don't remember a single lesson. Yeah, at all. Here are my top three memories from youth group, okay? Maybe four, my top four. Memory number one, when I was in junior high, I did uh, weightlifting. I was, for whatever reason, I thought weightlifting was cool. My youth pastor was like, okay, let's lift weights. We lifted weights. I I could barely lift anything. I was a skinny, scrawny little guy. Um, He made time to do that. I will never forget that. That's number one. Number two, um, Saturday mornings, we would get together for Bible study small group. This is before small groups were cool. 
and he we did this at like 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Me, a guy named Jeff, John, and Steve, um, all students, um, got together with our youth pastor, Tony Spino, who I still talk to, who's bald, just like me. He's awesome. And we would do Bible study on Saturday mornings. It was it was life-changing. Three, um, I went on a trip to, in, to visit Indiana Wesleyan University. I was the only junior hire that went. Um, the youth pastor said, hey, you know, we're going. High school students are invited. If you're in junior high and you want to go and you have a good reason for going, let me know. I was the only junior hire that went up to him and said, hey, I feel like God may be calling me to ministry. I really want to see the school. I went. It was epic. It was like a big road trip memories that I'll, that I'll have forever. Number three, or no, sorry, number four, um, I was a thief. I was a, a, I grew up poor, and so I made excuses, and I stole. And one night I went into his office, and I stole. There was just a ton of cash in there. So it was a crime of opportunity. It was like 500 bucks, so I took it. And then, I'd like, and like an idiot, I went to the snack bar and started buying stuff for all my friends. And then I lied about where I got the money. I said I got it from my grandmother, who my grandmother was dead at that point. He called my mom. Hey, did his grandmother give him 500 bucks? No, his grandmother's dead. Oh, I think he stole money from my office. <laughs> I had to go give him back the money, like apologize. And like, and, and he said, you know, I mean, he, he, it was loving grace. Like it, he, these are the memories that I, that I have. None of them had to do with what he was teaching. None of them had to do with a song or any of this. I don't remember. Any, most of the events we did, I don't remember. I remember we used to play with water guns. But I barely remember that. The things that stick, are like those relational pieces. And you never know what's going to be the thing. That's what I love about youth ministry. You never know what's going to be the thing that sticks, that becomes that kid's memory. Yeah. Because there's just, we spend so much, we spend a lot of time with students, camps, events. Like I didn't mention anything from camp. I don't remember anything from camps. Like I have a couple of memories, but I wouldn't say they're in my top 10. Um, you never know what memory, what moment is going to be the thing that lasts for years that's why youth ministry is so important. That's why creating those moments on a regular basis is important. That's done through relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Relationship drives all of that. And yeah, there there's content, you know, you mentioned going to see places and being able to read and, and do Bible study. But the thing behind that, that was driving all that is having a relationship and it shouldn't just be you that that that's driving that if if we pick up anything as far as the relationship factor and really how discipleship works um we need people right who are still mentors and people who are pouring into our lives even when we are the guy or the girl who is doing it with students because uh the track to grow and and get more mature in our faith it doesn't stop until Jesus comes back like we can still learn more. We can still make things better and we can still uh, learn how to tweak things. And the older we get, we realize, well, these students seem to learn this way. And I have these students and I haven't ever dealt with students who have maybe this uh, special need or learning difference or whatever else. How can I help make sure that they feel involved and that they absorb content and they, and they plug in? And so we also need people who are doing that with us. And so uh, it kind of takes a new turn when we are doing that actively, but then we can still appreciate and benefit from people who still continue to pour into us. Uh, you, you mentioned being able to talk to your first youth pastor and, and, and boss and being able to um, just really bank on those relationships. And it's cool because your relationship uh, takes uh, new turns and benchmarks and you get to look back and say, man, I have reaped so many benefits from this relationship that I've been able to pass on to the students in this way. And, you know, it's just kind of a big tree that grows deep, but also wide as far as its impact and reach and how we can set that example for students and saying, these relationships that you're having, this is what you need 
to keep pursuing Christ in a healthy way as you grow. Because, you know, when you go to college, you might not have a college group that's anywhere near what you had in youth group. And when you get a nine to five job and you're doing this, no one's going to go out of their way necessarily to provide some big program or anything for you. You have to pursue that. And the thing that you're pursuing isn't give me the next big program. It's who are guys, like you said, you surrender yourself with, with guys. Who are those guys? Or who are those girls that I can do things with? I can go to for accountability. I can go to for good conversation that I can encourage them. I can pray for them. And that's how not only I think youth pastors achieve longevity, but it's really how we just continue growing as disciples, no matter who we are, what our job is, where we are. Um, yeah, I think that's the kind of model that we need to show others. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap up by talking practicality and expectations. Uh, you know, I've had other guests on where we talked about burnout and, and, and cynicism and finding margin and, and things like that. But man, for someone who's coming in fresh and saying, I'm taking my first job or position, um, what's a good snapshot for them as far as what they should establish for themselves personally, like taking a retreat every once in a while, having mentors, and what's some, something that they should establish professionally, like ministry vision, programming, volunteers, stuff like that. What do you think, bro? So, I mean, when, you, when you're starting off, there's a couple of things. One, you should definitely figure out who that mentor person is going to be. The per, and, I, and this is how I define it. Um, and I define it differently than I do like accountability person, mm-hmm. a mentor, and there can be crossover, yeah. but, um, um, a mentor is someone that you can talk about the professional things in your life. You can talk about the issues that you're having with a boss or with a situation and they're helping you think through strategy. They have experience, like they, they, they've been doing it for a while. You know, then there's like the accountability person, which you should have one of those too. This is how I define an accountability person. They have enough dirt on you to bury you, but they don't. You should have one of those. And you should lean into any new ministry. So, and again, we're talking people, they're jumping into a new ministry, right? So, you know, figure out who that mentor person is that you have. Figure out who like the accountability people are, especially if you're moving to a new city. Like maybe you're still doing it over Zoom with people that you know or been doing it for a long time. But then you start to get into a church or whatever ministry organization you're doing. You start to think tactically. You know, build relationships with people. You know, I, I was talking to a youth pastor the other day who's starting in a new church, and I was like, "Bro, here's what you get." And it was a guy. I was like, "Here's what you get to do. You have to um, before you do anything." Um, create a roadmap of when you know, kind of what you want to do, like how you're going to spend the first 30, 60, 90 days um, and prepare that and show that to your boss. Like wait, you know, a good leader knows how to lead up and creating a roadmap that you can give to your boss and say, Hey, this is how I'm, I'm planning to spend my next 30, 60, 90 days. And, you know, I'd love your feedback on it. And the first 30 days should be, um, I'm going to f- identify every single leader and I'm going to have lunch with them or, uh, you know, twice, or, you know, I'm going to have lunch and a dinner at their house. And it's going to wrap up with a big, all the leaders together, you know, at my house or at a house for a barbecue. That's the first 30 days. First 60 days, I- I'm going to sit down with every parent, if, you know, that I can. Um, if it's a large ministry, obviously that's super difficult, but in most smaller ministries, you know, you, you know, I dream of going back into the church one day, um, you know, even as just as a volunteer running the show with 25 kids, like I would love that. Like if yeah. I had that opportunity today, I would do it. I wouldn't even 
charge money for it. I would just love doing it. You can get together with 25 parents. Like you can figure that out. Um, so I'd get together with every parent that I could. Um, and then you get together with your student leaders. So like that's the, the 60 days. And then over the course of the next 90 days, you're going to sit down with staff members and you're going to sit down with, you know, other people, maybe other youth pastors in the community, other parachurch organizations, you know, whatever. And you're just going to sit and have conversations and meet people. Now, during that time, you're doing like, you know, some of like the essential things, you know, vet over what the process has looked like for you know, what it means to become a leader. If there's no background check or application or any like discernible structure, you should make a change to that because pedophiles love to serve in nonprofit organizations to get access to kids. That's a reality. And mm-hmm. the sooner we believe it's a reality, the sooner we can do something about it. Yeah, I, I would um, you know, take a look at historically what what have we done? Like, are, are we tied into any contracts right now for camps or events or retreats or whatever? Um, do Are there traditions in the community? So, like, every, every year they do a big, you know, parade or every year they do a big, you know, chili cook-off in our town. Like, what are the traditions for the city? And then what are the traditions for the youth ministry? Like, oh, every year we do this big car wash thing. It's a tradition. Or every year we do, like, this, you know, backpack or, you know, up the mountain. It's a tradition. Find out what the tra- not golden calves, but what are traditions, things that it's like, yeah, let's, you know, I want to be all about that. Um, you know, figure out what your digital footprint looks like. You know, where are all the passwords for social media? It are If they're not social media accounts, like figure out getting the account, you know, screen names you want. And, you know, you don't have to start posting right away, but just make sure you have everything. Like you just have all that stuff. Figure out where the finances are. You know, sit down with your, your business person, your, you know, whatever the, financial person is at your church, let them know that you take finances seriously, get a handle on how they do accounting, how they do receipts. Now, most of the time that's part of the onboarding process, but you know, give an extra meeting to it to really understand it. Because if you show the money person, you take what they're doing seriously, which very few people do. Like that's like, what are they, money, accounting? I didn't take that in Bible college. That, that's a waste. You show them that you're taking their stuff seriously. That's just a good thing in general that will also be a thing that comes back to pay you back because you will screw up. And when you screw up, it'll be greeted with grace and understanding because you try, you're trying to learn. If you don't take it seriously, then you're just the slacker youth pastor, like the last 10 slacker youth pastors that don't take what they're doing seriously. And it's a big problem. And, you know, let me think, uh, schools, I'd figure out what your relationship looks like with schools. Like what are we doing in schools? What can we do in schools? Some have established clubs where it's like, Oh yeah, you can just show up and be part of it. Some don't, but kind of figure it out. And then, and to me, those are like the big things, you know, what's on the calendar right now. Like, so I'm coming in, is there an established calendar? Is there not, you know, whatever. And then listen to what your boss says. Now that to me is like the perfect way to onboard in a new church. If, or any organization, if the day ever comes where I onboard in a new church, I'm going to, I'm literally going to do exactly what I just talked about doing, because those are the things that really matter. I used to not value those things as much. When I was at Sandals, I did not value that. Um, and I ended up paying the price for it. They, they fired me, which it really, it's funny. It's been like two, you know, uh, almost two years since, since that happened. That sucked, by the way. But man, oh man, was it, was it good? Because it, I learned more in getting fired than I ever did getting promoted. Any raise I ever got at Mariners, I learned more getting fired than I ever learned um, you know, being, you know, congratulated or, or, you know, affirmed or given raises or, you know, whatever, but it, it was, it was a really great, really great experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of good stuff. Uh, you should make a little book and 
and sell that, bro. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff. Uh, first, first steps for people who are hopping on board. And, you know, there's a lot of relational things, as we mentioned, but also admin stuff. And I think admin stuff is the uh, hidden beast in ministry that no one really thinks about. You know, you think when you go into the office, everyone's just shooting Nerf guns at each other. But really, like you go in, it's like, I oh, wish. wow, I have all I these, wish. I've, you know, finances and forms and and and, th- and things like that to, to take care of. But it's necessary so you can stay organized and have the resources that, that you need to maximize and prioritize those relationships. Yeah, the, the, to me, the admin stuff is so vital, dude. The, the, all those things that you hate doing as a youth pastor, <laughs> when you get good at those things, those things become the bullet points that help you either get the next job that's at you know a higher level or a higher um, response, you know, you know, list of responsibilities or you know the 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 bigger title, whatever. Those are the things that people will look at. Because if you're just the amazing youth pastor who's really dynamic in lessons and, and the parents love him, but you know, he's always over budget or she's always over budget or, you know, and they, they never return emails and, um, and he, you know, they're just magic with the kids. But when it comes to all the other stuff of running a business, cause the church is a business. Anyone who says it's not, if you pay health insurance, you're a business. I mean, it's a business. You pay taxes, you're a business. So when it comes to being a business, if you can't um, um, have a really good handle and do those things with a level of expertise, then you're always just going to be the fun, goofy youth pastor guy. And that person, you know, will age out and then they're, you know, doing real estate or they're whatever. I mean, whatever they're doing, but longevity in youth ministry is being good at those administrative, those, um, the business oriented side of, of doing church. Yeah. For sure, man. For sure. Um, well, I know you hit it uh, at the top, uh, but really quick, uh, what are the podcasts and where are the places online that people can connect with you uh, in the future? Yeah. Um, the Controlled Chaos Podcast. It's a junior high ministry podcast for youth workers. It's everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, the Justin Herman shows the same thing. And uh, you could go to controlledcastpodcast.com. You can message me. We have a store up there. You can buy stuff. Um, um, you can message me, email me. Uh, I'm always, I'm always really available for people. And, um, and you, you know, on social media at, at Hey Justin Herman, pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, um, uh, Facebook at Hey Justin Herman. And, you know, chat with me, you have questions, want to talk. I'd, I'd love to do it. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Justin. Well, uh, well, thanks again, man. I'll be praying for you as you lead that nonprofit, uh, family relationships are huge and they are needed and uh, we need more wisdom and more insight for longevity in youth ministry. Uh, so I'll mm-hmm. be right there along with you, man, and helping to promote that. And thanks again for hopping on. Dude, you have a great podcast. Everything you're doing, I, I just love it. Stick with it. Keep doing it. Uh, and thanks for having me on. It was, it was awesome. Thanks, bro. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Justin for joining me. Uh, You can check out his social media links and the links to his podcast in the show notes or on the guest page of our website. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are streaming it. And you can also hear us every Monday night at 6 Central on Eternity Ready Radio. Please share this episode uh, with anyone who is thinking about entering ministry 
or has already entered youth ministry, perhaps a new position, and is struggling to find their footing amidst the pandemic and other cultural elements. I appreciate you listening, so thanks again, and until next time, adios. Adios.